0: absolutely talking with the counselor the first time around what gave me even the first bit of solace was that her saying that this isn't uncommon you aren't in this alone and just sharing some of the information of how many people um were in the situation that i was in and that it wasn't insurmountable that there was help available that you know there wasn't need to feel shame because you feel like well you You have dug yourself into this hole, so there's, you know, there's guilt, but just understanding that, you know, you aren't the only person who is experiencing this.
1: Welcome back, hero. Welcome to episode 13 of Real Stories, Journeys of Financial Wellness. I'm your host, Krista Lugazima. Our interview today features Tanisha. After getting into debt, she had feelings of shame and isolation. She turned to options that increased her stress, like payday loans. She eventually found her way to Greenpath and discovered she wasn't alone. Inspired to build a better foundation for her son, she soon became debt-free. Now she's an open book when it comes to discussing her money journey and she's taught her son well. In fact, the student has become the teacher as her son shares money lessons with her. We'll start with Tanisha's childhood and the lessons she learned from her parents. you, Tanisha, for joining us here today. Um, So I'd like to start all the way back at the beginning. Um, What do you remember learning about money growing up?
0: It's interesting. I remember that my father kept a handwritten steno pad in the top drawer of of their chest of drawers in my parents' room, and he hand-wrote out what bills needed to be paid every paycheck you know, so that was kind of my first exposure to budgeting um, and how he tracked uh, the household expenditures. And he always kept what we call the red purse, you know, because it was literally a red evening handbag. Um, It was a clutch that they also kept in this drawer, but it, it held, it kept track of the bills, it kept, you know, emergency cash. And so looking back on it, why I kind of chuckle when I started to answer the question, it's like I didn't realize I guess for me how much of a foundation about tracking your finances that was because it just seemed, you know, like a random you know, thing like why is he writing in that, you know, steno pad every payday and why is there's this red purse? I never processed it, but I guess now you asking that question makes me look back to think that, you know, I, I learned to be pretty structured actually um, from how my parents managed the household. Um, I think also, you know, it brings to mind, I think about, you know, it really established the foundation for me about living under your means. Um, because in my household both of my parents um, work full-time but we primarily lived off my father's income you know so if we couldn't or if we if you know if it couldn't be handled or paid through from what he brought home it was kind of considered like oh we can't afford that and they saved um, you know much of what my mom made so I think that you know in retrospect I had a, a while it was passive, like we didn't sit down at the, the kitchen table and have conversations about the household finances, that it was always very much a part of, you know, my upbringing.
1: And so now, as it kind of flips around, and then you have a teenage son, so as a, as a single mother, what have you tried to teach your son about money? And how how have those conversations with him about money? How have they differed from the ones that you may have had when you were his age?
0: My um, conversations are different because I passively watched how my parents, you know, manage the finances. Like there weren't any moment in time conversations, um, but I try to be very transparent with my son about the household responsibilities that, you know, nothing is free, you know, there's a cost associated with it, you know, the food you're eating didn't come to us for free. I pay a mortgage every month and I try to be very transparent with him as it relates to how much I make versus how much we spend to kind of give him that foundation. Like there was never a time when I was growing up that my parents said, hey, you know, this is how you balance a checkbook you know, or, hey, you know, make sure you have these things and make sure you have insurances and these things in place. Where for me, I make a conscious effort to impart that um, onto my son. Um, And I think I'm also trying to, which we never discussed when I was growing up, the importance of having like investments and financial diversity, kind of portfolio diversity and multiple streams of income. So I want him to be, not to say that I was ill-equipped, but um, I think that some of the hurdles I did ultimately end up experiencing financially as I was growing, you know, as I got older and on my own, had I been given some insight into how it all works, could have been avoidable. And I, I want him to be better equipped to tackle becoming an adult um, financially.
1: What have you observed as far as um, how he has um, absorbed some of what you've shared either, either from you or from society at large when it comes to his money?
0: Um, you know, it's interesting. I'm not going to say necessarily he absorbed it from me because it's funny. He is absolutely more of a saver than I ever was. And probably even more so than I am now. You know, I think he still has his birthday bunny from, you know, two Junes ago where I would have absolutely have spent that by now. Um, so I'm not sure where he gets it. I think it's very intuitive for him, but he is, he's conscious of, you know, you know, he wants to be able to to have his own and not even just in terms of, you know, buying a house or driving a nice car. He wants to own property. He wants to buy, like we drive by an empty building and he's always saying we should buy that. You know, we should buy land. Like he's very much already, even at 15, very focused on his adulthood financial stability. Um, So yeah, he's a saver. He has a ton of interest in the stock market and options and investing. Um, And he has some some initial accounts that I allow him to make decisions on as it relates to that. And so he's just very astute and very worldly. Um, So I think that, you know, as his mom, of course, there is some influence from me on that, but he's really picked it up and run with it.
1: And 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 because we haven't said it yet, he's fifteen. Is that yes? Is that he's fifteen. Right. Like mm-hmm. the way you're speaking, I think maybe our listeners might assume like, oh, this is a twenty year old or something like that that's doing this. So it's yeah. No, uh,
0: he is he is fifteen, and he he's trying to teach me about options and get me involved, and I'm like, it's too much. So no, he is he's very uh, he's very astute when it comes to that stuff for his age.
1: I asked Tanisha how she first got into debt.
0: Mm- born from, um, pun intended, the birth of my son. (laughs) Um, He was born in 2005. And I just remember, you know, all full transparency in college, as I mentioned, I was a spender. You know, I had all the credit cards. I, you know, loved to shop. I needed a new outfit for every party. So, you know, I had amassed a significant amount of debt. Luckily, some of that, the blessings, which are my parents, they had paid that for me, uh, you know, a good deal of it, but I hadn't changed my behavior. So I was still living well beyond my means. I had a brand new car, was living in an apartment by myself. And so, you know, I I started to um, amass this debt. And when my son was born, you know, looking at him, one, understanding the realities of what childcare costs, you know, is a, you know, is a, Pretty much college tuition, you know, at that age. So there were some immediate changes um, that I needed to make. Um, And also just wanting for him to have the comfort of one of the things that is always very important to me um, is that, you know, I'm worldly understanding that I am extremely blessed. I've never had to wonder where my next meal was coming from. I've never come home and our lights were shut off and things of that nature. And I wanted to give him that same comfort and stability. And I knew the way that I was spiraling financially, that he wasn't going to be able to live as comfortably as he deserved. So soon after he was born, I was living in an apartment, Um, I also made the decision that I wanted him to have his own. I wanted him to have a backyard he could go out and play in. I wanted him to have the space to roam and and really thrive and have a place that we could call home. Um, So I became very interested in purchasing a home. at the time with you know, my debt to income ratio coupled with my very questionable credit score, um, I knew it wasn't going to be possible for me to purchase a home and definitely not purchase a home where I wanted to, you know, in the area that I wanted to live in. So I started to get very, very serious about um, ways that I could improve my financial situation. Um, I did absolutely at one time consider a bankruptcy. But it's funny, what kept me from doing that is I couldn't afford a bankrupt, you know, I couldn't afford the the process, you know, because it isn't free. Um, So, and I also just didn't want that on my record, knowing that if I filed for bankruptcy, I absolutely wouldn't be able to purchase a home in in the
1: short term. I asked Tanisha how she ended up connecting with Greenpath.
0: So, um, if there was like a random commercial that came on, um, one day watching TV, and it was actually for I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't Green Path; it was a, a competitor, uh, which made me start to look into these debt consolidation and management programs. Um, so I looked at several after seeing that commercial, um, and then I eventually came across Green Path in my research. Um, it ended up ultimately selecting Green Path just because there was a there was a different vibe about how your, how the process worked. It was far more consultative than some of the other um, folks that I had spoken to. Um, the counselor that I worked with, she was very hands-on. She was very supportive. She made me comfortable. Um, and so that's how I ended up heading down the path to not only consolidate my credit, um, consolidate my debt, but start to work on improving that credit score.
1: So in if you think back to that time when you saw that commercial And that when you were considering your options and eventually, as you said, did reach out to speak to a Green Path counselor, what were your feelings at at the time going into that? Was it just as simple as see commercial, do research, call, or was there a lot of anxiety, confusion, or any other feelings along the way?
0: Absolutely. A lot of anxiety and and confusion, because, I mean, you have to bear in mind that I had just become a single mom. You know, it was a you know. So on top of you know now being responsible for this little human all by myself, you know, I didn't know how. I knew what I wanted for him, and I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to give it to him. So it was. I was absolutely angst ridden, <laughs> to say the least. And also, um, there was considerable shame. You know, I come from my family. We're all you know, you know, high performers, and there's an expectation. You know. That we have of one another. And they had no clue what I, well, my parents kind of knew because they had just dug me out of debt a few years before. But, you know, they're really, my family really didn't know how I was struggling financially, you know, because I hid that from them. Um, And it was just an embarrassment. Also, as a young professional, I'm living this persona and, you know, it is not the life I was living. So I felt like I was living a lie. I was embarrassed, I was afraid. So it was a very emotional decision, which is why I think the relationship with the counselor was so critically important for me.
1: So, so you speak to withholding what you were going through with close family, in this case, your parents uh, at the time. I know that money is a taboo subject so much in our culture. Um, as you've kind of come out the other side and what we'll, we'll get into how, how that took place as we move along. But you know, what are your thoughts about money being taboo both in your own life and your own experiences but also just more broadly?
0: I personally try to operate where if there is something that I have experienced or been through and I speak to someone who may be going to that, I'm, I'm probably um, open to a fault. In that regard, like, you know, within my friendship circle and I'm quick to tell people where I've come from because, you know, absolutely talking with the counselor the first time around what gave me even the first bit of solace was that her saying that this isn't uncommon, you aren't in this alone and just sharing some of the information of how many people were in the situation that I was in and that it wasn't insurmountable, that there was help available, that, you know, there wasn't need to feel shame because you feel like, you, well, you, you have dug yourself into this hole. So there's, you know, there's guilt, but just understanding that, you know, you aren't the only person who is experiencing this. And some of that feeling isolated, I think makes it hard for people to get help when they need it. So feeling like, you know, it isn't something that that you'll be judged for, um, I think helps the process. So I'm, I'm probably more open than most as it relates to, you know, finances and hurdles and obstacles. Um, and even right now I'm quick, if there is something or a situation that my friend group is doing and it's not in my budget, I don't hesitate to say, well, that's not in my budget. I can't, you know, like I'm very open that I live by a budget. I, you know, if, if it's not there, it's not there. So, you know, I've broken down that wall of, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and trying to, you know, live for what people expect of me. And I try to share that with other people, you know, cause it comes up in conversations, I think casually. And I'll just be like, well, I don't know about you, but you know, that's above my pay grade or, you know that's out of my, you know, and just being comfortable with, you know, these are my resources. I have a plan for the future and knowing that everything I'm doing is working towards that. You know, there's no need to be shamed. So, you know, I'm pretty much an open book.
1: So this was kind of a, a, an evolution, right? This wasn't always your your philosophy, if I'm understanding.
0: Absolutely not, yeah, no, just, you know, this is definitely an evolution and a growth. I definitely historically have been, you know, very, t- and probably because I was, you know, living a mess financially, you know, that that is part of it, but, um, but which I think causes you to dig yourself in deeper because when there was the debt, so it's like, okay, how am I going to pay this? So now I'm getting into payday loans, you know, and it's becomes in the vicious cycle that that is. So the more you try to fix it yourself, the worse the problem often becomes. And so this is absolutely has been a growth and a learning experience for me over the past, you know, I guess it's 13 years now.
1: So you, you mentioned payday loans, which, uh, you know, we know um, many people end up taking them out and it, it could often be a difficult um, situation to climb out of, especially if one has multiple loans. So can you speak a little bit more to any of the specifics that you might remember um, as far as did you utilize them in person or online or or how how did that work?
0: Um, It's funny, you know, Although I'm only 21. Um, this by days of this, they were pre-online. So you had to physically, <laughs> you had to physically go someplace and fill out a paper or application. And I, you know, I'm pretty certain they handed you cash. Um, so it wasn't an online process, but it's definitely, you know, and at the time there weren't like limits on the number you could have. So you could go to different places and you can have two or three at a time. And you know that becomes a burden in and of itself. It's like I didn't have it to begin with, and you know, as you know, the um, the interest on those loans is so significant. It's like you're, you know, it's it is absolutely a hard hole to dig yourself out of. Um, but you know, they keep handing it to you, and so it's hard to say. You know, I need quick cash now it's hard to say no to. So it's definitely a vicious cycle that can also get very scary if you don't control it.
1: And and what I remember um, from speaking to clients over the years um, that had taken out payday lenders, particularly when they were in person type of situations, is, I'm just curious, like what was your experience in dealing with the humans that helped you to get these payday loans?
0: you know what there is I don't I won't necessarily put it on the the shoulders of the employees of the um the lenders you know they're just doing their job and trying to you know they have a job to do but from my you know there was again there's more shame that I'm here you know I'm embarrassed to even be here taking out this payday loan but as it relates to the employee the employees or the institutions, there absolutely is no concern or regard for your ability to financially shoulder the money that they're giving it to you. You know, in their mind, I'll send you to collections. You know, I'll, you know what I'm saying? It's it's black and white. You know, you ask for it, I'll give it to you. I don't care whether you can afford it or not. Um, but at the end of the day, they've got a job to do. That's the business they're in, and it's it's really about you know us as consumers just being more educated. On you know why this is not a good thing.
1: Yeah, I was I, mean, I was trying not to lead you, but I was curious. My understanding is too is they payday lenders tend to have pretty good customer service, friendly approachability in in a sense of uh, at least some of the experiences that I heard. Um, so I was just curious if that um, you feel more transactional as as you were as you recall.
0: Yeah, if I recall, it was definitely more, it was definitely more transactional Um, and it could be a result of, you know, I went in there with my mind made up with what I was there to do. So I didn't really, I didn't need to be coaxed. I didn't need to be, you know, I didn't need the, they didn't need to lay it on real thick for me. Um, You know, but I guess to that end, I would say they're always very helpful well, you know, you can, all, you can have two loans here at once, you know, and I'm like, well, how does that work? You're the same, you know, so they were very helpful in that regard, I guess you could say, but, you know, it was all, my experience were always very transactional.
1: Yeah. Um, so circling back to your experience with, with Green Path, um, so you described having a very positive recollection of your um, interactions with our financial counselor. And so one of the options that you eventually ended up starting was something called the debt management program where you mm-hmm. consolidated your payments, set up payment arrangements with your creditors. If if you remember back to when you set up with that, what did you think that that was gonna be like before you started? And then what was it really like? Was it the same? Were there any differences?
0: I think ultimately, it probably was the same. I didn't know what to expect. It was my first experience um, with the process. You know, I think she was really transparent and clear about how the process worked, you know, how um, that you all were Green Path would um, negotiate, you know, pretty much settlement terms on my behalf, that they would collect the money from me, and then they would pay the creditors on um, scheduled dates. And, you know, that's absolutely how the process worked for me. It was a really smooth process um, I just remember the setup, like putting it in place, was you know super easy, and then there was just this instant relief for me, you know, that it was you know there was one payment I had to make every month, and I think it was, you know, automatically withdrawn from my bank account, if memory serves, um, and so it, it was just that relief of knowing that, you know, it I was I was taken care of to some degree,
1: mm. and. Did, did you end up having to make any changes to your spending habits while you were on this program? And and if so, you know, what kind of changes did you make?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, one, it's funny, um, I had to make changes for two reasons. One is because it's part of the program, you have to close these credit accounts. So I was financing much of my life by charging stuff on my credit cards. So, you know, I absolutely had to cut by, you um, cut back on spending because you know I, I was an all cash operation and if I didn't have the cash I couldn't afford it it was really just that simple um so I became very strict with how I managed my money and I would say that's when I became also very strict about managing my budget like I had to like if it wasn't on paper it, if you know if there wasn't this magical influx of cash um, that was going to to save me, especially once I made the decision that I had to get off the uh, payday loan carousel. It's like, there is no, you know, this is all I've got. Um, and the green uh, path of deduction was automatic. So there was no avoiding that. Um, you know, the only other alternative was to overdraw my bank account. And then that's a whole another cycle of fees. And I mean, admittedly, it took me some time to get in the groove with managing that. It definitely wasn't an overnight process. It wasn't like I joined this program. And while there was relief knowing that my credit card bills were paid, um, it it really made me focus on the accountability of my my overall financial wellness. It, you know, the credit was one piece of it, but it also just made me really stop and think about how I was just managing my life.
1: So during your time paying down your debt, were there any unexpected events or other obstacles that were happening in your life that made it more difficult to pay down your debt?
0: Um. Yes, I actually. Um, was unemployed for a brief time. I started the program in 2005. And so I think it was maybe about the house in 2007. So yeah, like 2006, I was unemployed for maybe four or five months. Um, but again, that goes back to having amazing parents who, you know, made sure that I, you know, so I don't know if that, that helps the masses, but, you know, I had, you know, systems in place that helped me get over that gap. But again, coming out of that, you know, it may, it meant that managing my money was even that much more critical.
1: So, so in this case, your, your family had supported you during that time when your income had. Uh, had dried up during unemployment um was there any other support that you received and not necessarily financial but was there any other emotional support or other types of support that you received while you were paying down your debt
0: um from a family perspective
1: family friends we're
0: just family friends um again while I was going through the process I still as had got to the point where anyone knew that I was going through the process so you know it's it's something I would say I shouldered you know largely on my own um I think that when we were having a conversation a couple weeks ago and how we started down this path was the first time I had ever mentioned to someone outside of myself that I had gone through a debt management program You know, and here we are 13 years later, um, 15 years later. Um, So now it's, it's just something that, you know, you know, gave myself that pep talk and was like, get it together, girl. And, you know, really dug in and just tried to keep making myself, you know, grow and be better.
1: So when you eventually paid off your debt through the program, how did it feel when you became debt free?
0: It probably is one of the most liberating feelings You know, to not owe anyone. I mean, granted, I turned the right around and bought a house and (laughs) started, but that's a different kind of owing someone. It was absolutely a relief. And the relief started before the debt was paid off because you know, you know, with credit card debt and Mismanagement of credit card debt. There are collection calls. There's all, you know, you, you're afraid to answer your phone. You're afraid to check the mail, you know. So the process of feeling relief started long before it was paid off. But once it was, you know, paid off and my credit score skyrocketed, and the fact that I would get a, a tax refund and I could save it or I could, you know, like the there is a I think an unexpressed anxiety that goes along with knowing on the day you get paid, that money's already gone, you know, because you owe so many people and not having to feel like that is, you know, I think it's matchless.
1: How long after you completed your debt repayment, did you end up buying a house?
0: Um, A little under a year.
1: And was was that year? spent mainly just kind of beefing up your your savings to put yourself in that position or were there other things you needed to get in place to be ready to buy? Um,
0: it? was beefing up my savings, um, you know, my credit score took a, you know, a, a significant boost with not having debt and just letting that come up um, significantly, you know, in the time it takes to find the right, you know, house and but yeah but it was really more so just about you know increasing my savings because you know what I think is a lot of people don't realize it's it's relatively easy to buy a house but affording a house is something vastly different, you know? So it's like, from the moment you typically buy a house, it starts to fall apart. There's something, always something that needs to be replaced, always something that needs to be upgraded. So I didn't want to find myself, you know, living in a house that I couldn't afford. So definitely wanted to concentrate on savings and um, getting a real and starting to live on, the percentage of my salary that reflected what I thought I could afford in a mortgage. So in my mind, I'm like, I want to pay this much a month and starting to create a pattern to model my life where I was already either saving that, you know, other half of what I thought my expense would be. Um, So I guess you could say practice for house buying, you know, is what I took the time to do.
1: That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, that's that's one of the principles that I that I talk about a lot is just yeah like almost simulating what it's going to be like and the added bonus of being able to set money aside for emergencies or a down payment as you're doing that um so that was definitely a big financial goal that you had at the time what are some of your financial goals in the coming months and year and what are some of your long-term dreams
0: um for the coming uh year, it's absolutely, I want to return to being debt free. You know, I think I, for, you know, someone of my age, it's probably negligible debt, but I want to get back to, I don't want to owe anybody, you know, so I do have, you know, a small amount of debt that I'm working to pay off. Um, And really, I'm just getting to a point in my life that, you know, retirement isn't as far away as, you know, it once was. And knowing that I want to retire comfortably, and to be able to live a life that is full, I want to be able to travel. I know what I want retirement to look like for me. Um, I think that I'm at a phase in my life where I'm again, like I'm fine. I think I'm relatively financial well now, but I'm getting back laser focused on. You know, I'm trying to cut costs because I want to save. I also have a son who is, you know, he's in boarding school right now, so I'm already paying tuition. But you know, in two years, I'm going to have you know, college tuition to pay. And again, kind of going back to, you know, my upbringing, I th- I tell people all the time, one of life's greatest gifts for me and one of my biggest blessings is my parents paid for my college education a hundred percent. I came out of school, not a student loan. Um, and I am wholly committed to giving that experience to my son, you know? So it's really about becoming, you know, laser focused on what I need to do today to ensure that, you know, his college education can be fully funded.
1: Does anything related to money currently keep you up at night or, or give you stress in some way?
0: Um, I wouldn't say keep me up at night, but one of the things that is frequently gnawing at me is right now my nine to five is my primary source of income. You know, and I want to come up with a few more streams, um, but I don't want to. I don't want a, a second job to do that. <laughs> you know, or I don't want to do anything on the side. The one job I got is is takes enough time, but it's really for me. Yeah, the fact that you know tomorrow, if my job went out of business, you know, the position that would put me in. But I think just you know that is more so a worry just around the world that we're living in today you know, I I think most people probably have a little bit of that concern. So I, that is another area where I'm like, I need my money to be making money, or I need something else to be driving, you know, my, that I can rely upon and be driving my future. Something that I'm in control of that isn't coming from, you know, an employer.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Um, so aside from calling Green Path, I say that because every time I ask this question, that's the answer everyone gives so aside from calling green path what advice do you have for someone who might be experiencing financial stress
0: It's to tackle it face on i think a lot of times when situations make us uncomfortable we tend to try to pretend like they don't exist and we ignore the problems which definitely in the financial realm only exacerbate them you know that bill you didn't pay last month, it's not going anywhere next month. So you might as well open it up and look at it and um, be proactive about you know, how you're going to management. Um, so definitely don't run from your problems, but you have to be uh, fully committed to truly changing your behaviors that got you there. So it's being honest with yourself, being proactive um, and not being ashamed.
1: Is there any advice you would give the younger version of yourself that was first getting into debt?
0: You don't need that buckle credit card. You don't. You don't need those. You know, a credit card. You don't need um, a new outfit for every party. You know, just some of the basic stuff. That you know, I think about how I spent money and what I spent money on. Um, so for younger self, I would definitely say think about the value of this item longer term. Um, you know, you know, they say youth is wasted on the young. So I know it's, you know, some of it is living and learning, but definitely um, I wish I would have made better decisions or just more conscious decisions um, and not be so just, you know, reactionary and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, don't let instant gratification, you know, derail you.
1: and what inspired you to share your story with others?
0: You know, we were having, I was having a conversation with some um, of your colleagues at Green Path and we were having a conversation around that, you know, and interacting with the products and the services or just having conversations. There weren't a whole lot of people who looked like me telling their stories, um, which I think even further makes it uncomfortable so for me, it's really about, you know, it's about broadening, like, yeah, people who look like you were going through this too, kind of thing. Um, and have found success doing it is really at the end of the day, what makes me want to share my story. Um and the fact that it made such an impact on me. I think that, you know, again, knowing that so many people is are who I was back then, anything I can do to help them evolve some of the stress and the anxiety and the worry, you know, I just, I wanna give that back.
1: At this point, we invited Tanisha's son Noah to join us in the interview. So I, I, was, I was just curious, I was talking with your mom about her financial journey and, and one of the interesting things that came up is some of the differences in terms of what it was like for her to grow up and although she observed things from her parents, your grandparents uh, with regards to money, it wasn't sort of a topic that was openly talked about. So I was just curious, like from your perspective, what, what kind of things have you learned from her or what kind of lessons and well, let's start with that. Like, what if any lessons have you learned from your mom when it comes to money?
2: Well, I've learned a lot. Um, I've always known that how she budgets everything. So if it doesn't fit in the budget, it's not gonna happen. So that's one thing I've learned about budgeting through her.
1: Um, and she was even saying that there are certain things that you've been trying to teach her. So like, what are, what are some of the concepts or lessons that you've been trying to, uh, to yeah, teach? Her so
2: I'm, I'm into like the stock market a lot. So i like learning things about that. Whenever I learn something new, that seems, that seems interesting. I always try to talk to her about it because I know it's just more ways that we can invest money in.
1: That's really cool. So, like, what 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 excites you about the stock market in particular?
2: I don't know. It's just because how it's all connected to like business and how, just like, see how it affects the different parts of it.
1: Yeah. So, like, you get to see how like a particular company that you know makes money for them, but then could also make money for you. Yeah. At the same time, is is there any particular companies that you you've Followed just that you're generally interested in that you've you're most interested in investing in. Or
2: um, I watch um, like Tesla and Apple a lot. I have um, actually I have stock in both those companies a little bit, so those are two companies I watch.
1: That's cool. Like, what what have you learned about them different? Like that you didn't know before, because I'm sure you've obviously known them, heard of them long before yeah. you knew about the stock market. So, like, what have you learned in in terms of like? looking at their financials and investing in them
0: maybe a better example is blackberry not blackberry was it blackberry who just signed a deal with somebody
2: oh yeah they just signed with amazon so. yeah you can
0: talk about talk about how you follow that to know predict what it's going to do to the stock prices
2: yeah so that's probably so, a better example all right so yeah i also invest in blackberry like when I say that, people are like, why would you invest in that? That hasn't been like relevant in years. But like, I know from like reading the news and like watching what they're doing, I know that there's still potential in it. And just a few days ago, they made a deal with Amazon that caused the stock to rise. So I know that watching, so I see what the company is doing and if it has potential to grow.
1: Mm, trying to get ahead of the curve, basically. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. that's cool. All right, so now I'm gonna try something a little different because you guys obviously know each other better than I know each of you. Um, so how about you asked, what, what money questions would you like to ask your mom right now if, if you have any? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or I could start I with really you, prefer- What questions would you like to ask him?
0: Um, what financial goals? have you set for yourself like when you think about yourself as an adult do you have any financial goals that that you see as ideal
2: Um, I don't really know just like saving a lot I mean I don't know if that's a direct goal but like I want to have like money in savings like and not ever have to like worry about something comes up um worrying about how I'm gonna pay for that so that's one of my goals
1: I, I really love that answer because it I know it doesn't sound exciting as you say it, because like most people might say like, oh, I want to go on a vacation to this specific place. I want this car. I want this whatever. But like understanding that life can be unexpected and having kind of a, a cushion against those things enables you to do, to do all the other things that I'm sure will that you'll want to do as this life goes on. Right. Um, so you're a few years away, what are you like, about two and a half years away from college at this point? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts about that as far as, um, do, you, do you worry about, uh, or, or you know, do you worry, or like, what are your thoughts about how uh, college is going to get paid for?
2: Um, I try not to worry about that too much right now just like cuz I'm already thinking about a lot of other stuff so I just try not to worry too much.
1: And that's actually there's another thing that came up in my conversation with your mom earlier as far as money not necessarily being something that a lot of people are comfortable talking about with family or friends. So I'm just curious, you're kind of in this um not isolated community, but you're you're kind of in the bubble that you're in in school, right, uh, amongst yeah. your peers. Does does money get talked about a lot amongst your friends? Or,
2: I mean, I guess it does to some extent. Like people talk about like the stock market in school. Like it's not too uncommon for like we just take a second class and we talk about like stocks sometimes, depending on like what class we're in.
1: Mm. D- Does like actual like day-to-day spending ever come into play? Or I don't know how oh. much it's already covered when you're out there anyway, but.
2: No, not really that. So I wouldn't really talk about that side of it much.
0: I think that, you know, just from what Noah has shared with me, I don't think they realize that they're talking about money. Um, Cause you know, it's Cranbrook. So most of those kids, you know, know it's their own scholarship but most of those kids are well healed so you know they're talking about you know oh we got a new we got a new boat and their boat is you know this you know 50 footer you know I don't think they realize that they're having you know money conversations about money um, or that you know, it's just so second nature to them that, you know, they've kind of just always had these things that, but I think that just from some of the things he shares with me about, and I don't think he realizes sometimes some of the conversations that he shares between his friends, I'm thinking like, holy cannoli, like they, what? Like, you know, me trying to wrap my mind around, you know, what this 60 year old just said about, you know, the cabin, you know, or you know, just this just, just their lifestyles. And so I don't think they realize how closely that is related to, you know, the financial situations of their parents. I think that, you know, money is probably a little more present in his life than he he realizes it. He's just, you know, kind of absorbs it every day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So are there any any other questions you'd like to ask Noah or I think up? Yeah.
0: What initially got you interested in investing?
2: I don't know, just the fact that you could make money, like if you were smart about it. Yeah. it.
1: Gets rewarded, yeah. Kind of like what you were saying with Blackberry and Amazon of kind of researching it ahead of time and being ahead of the curve, even before the deal went through that you kind of sense something good was gonna happen, it sounded like, right? Tanisha, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story.
0: You're welcome. It's truly been a pleasure. I hope that anyone listening can learn some things and send the cells on a great path to financial wellness.
1: My co-host, Amari, and I wanted to reflect on some money lessons that came out of Tanisha's story. Tanisha gave advice uh, to our listeners about the importance of tackling a debt problem head-on, rather than to put your head in the sand. And it's certainly something that she struggled with and, and eventually um, came around. She speaks of the importance of not being ashamed. And I, I think it's it's easy to look at that and say... That sounds great. I mean, no one wants to feel feelings of shame, but how do we actually get there? Um, I think an important point to to lift up is the fact that something like tackling debt, doing so head on, as he suggests, that doesn't necessarily mean doing so alone. Alone, right. You know, how how does that uh, resonate with you, Omari?
3: Yeah, no, I resonated with it uh, quite a
1: bit. Um, It's a natural feeling. For,
3: because of the fact that conversations around finance, credit, debt, et cetera, are all still very taboo in our culture. Um, It follows logically that if you're someone who may be internally struggling or personally struggling with some of the elements of credit or debt or whatever, um, that it's not as comfortable to come out uh, with or to be, it's not as comfortable to, uh, embrace the reality of your situation and understand what that means and understand how you might solve that problem. It's understandable that with that taboo comes embarrassment. Um, and as a result, it's a difficult thing to overcome that embarrassment to really start the process of, of seeking help and seeking solutions. The good news is, like you mentioned, uh, that does not mean doing it alone, right? Like, you know, Green Path is obviously here, um, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of access to financial support in some communities, and this can cause further problems. Um, so, for example, one of the things that, that we talked about um, when we kind of were, were looking at behind the scenes on this, on this podcast was the experience of um, African Americans who may be, um, who may come from some degree of privilege, who may come from, uh, a situation where their parents struggled and put them in positions to succeed. Um, there, I can speak from my own experiences that what comes along with that sometimes is maybe added pressure to avoid some of the same mistakes that your parents made, or or to avoid or to live a lifestyle that honors some of the sacrifices and some of the um, you know commitment that your parents put into your situation to allow that for you. Um, and which is a good thing these are all good things but one of the one of the unfortunate side effects that sometimes comes along with that is the added pressure to feel obligated to live a certain lifestyle or obligated to to uh, live without the constraints the, the constraint of like um, you know having debt issues right so uh, i can certainly identify with and empathize with the added complication that that sometimes has. Um, It was really admirable for Tanisha to show, uh, get to a place where she could sort of um, uh, kind of bypass those feelings, recognize uh, her situation and really take control. Um, You know, she was really overcoming a lot of uh, a lot of roadblocks in her path that, that, that keeps a lot of folks, especially folks that, uh, that live, a, you know, the black experience, that can sometimes be even harder. So it's really admirable to see the, the progress that she's been able to make.
1: Along the same lines, it was interesting how she took her experience with what you spoke to and seems like she really thought through how she would pay that forward with her own son and Absolutely. perhaps, like, the expectations she might put on him. Um, that was one of the things I recall her talking about, is how her parents definitely shaped how she viewed the world when it comes to money, but that was mostly from observation. Whereas with her son, she really carved out some intentional time to, to talk to him uh, at times when she was faced with difficult decisions or just, you know, life through a curveball, good or bad, I guess. Um, yeah. So like I, I was I was inspired by the power of having conversations with family when it comes to money. And and sometimes what's what's interesting is I've I've noticed that oftentimes just because someone is an elder, someone might have had more lived experience, doesn't necessarily mean that they're always the expert on the given topic. Like in her case, she talked about the fact that her her son actually had a thing or two to teach her on investing, and you know because yeah. he just dove into that. in In one of our other podcasts, uh, one of my guests had spoke of how his twelve year old son had helped him to make a decision related to to buying a car. Um, I remember back in my financial counseling days, I had encouraged a, a client of mine that was struggling to pay his utility bills to talk to his family about it because it seemed like they weren't really all pulling in the same direction. And really, my intent in encouraging him to do that was more for the mental benefit of that. But what was interesting is when he shared that with his family, he had like uh, children that were maybe like eighteen into the early twenties, um, so working um, but but living at home. Suddenly, they started chipping in towards the bills. So like his his son might have said, "Hey, dad, I got the electric bill." His daughter's like, "Hey, I'm going to take care of the cell phone bill." He didn't ask for these things, but just by being transparent about his situation, it, it kind of had that double benefit of them all pulling together, but also literally pulling together when it comes to the mechanics of working on their finances.
3: Um, yeah, definitely. So one of the things that uh, that I have observed as we sort of expand our work around this idea of um, expanding what it means to be available, what, it, what financial literacy, financial wellness means to be available in, uh, in broader communities, um, is that these conversations have not typically been had, um, and the extent to which they had occurred, um, because of how fast technology moves, because of how fast the uh, nature of, of our economic infrastructure changes. Some of the some of the the things that were facts, some of the things that were relevant when our parents, for example, may have been younger, are less relevant or have a take on a different meaning now. One of the best examples of that is this idea of home ownership being uh, the the key or the avenue towards financial wellness. Uh, While it certainly still is for some people, um, nowadays I would imagine for folks in my generation and maybe younger, um, that's no longer the only path towards financial wellness. It's no longer the only path towards like arriving at a place where you have achieved financial freedom or achieve financial like a like a an accomplished well arriving at a place where you feel like you've made it financially right uh, and so it's because of how quickly this information changes and uh, in uh, complicated by the fact that the that access to this information is already so limited especially in in disadvantaged communities um, it it goes to show how how important or or how quickly, you know, misinformation or, um, you know, bad habits can form out of that lack of support. So the fact that Tanisha was able to to, um, take it into her own hands to avoid that, uh, kind of break that cycle, um, and not only teach her son some of what she knew, she also empowered him to seek current information, current knowledge, to then reach back and teach her, which I think is totally, I mean, I think that's really amazing and, and ideal. as something to to consider um, as we move forward. And it was really
1: cool just to see kind of the, how that uh, idea that she had kind of boomeranged in a sense, how she encouraged him for his own knowledge gain to research these things, but then he was able to take that, talk to his classmates, play with it, play with the concepts a little bit, and eventually bring it back to her. Where, you know, I'm, I'm unsure if that was her intention going in, but she seemed, uh, in the moment, talking to her not only proud of her son, but like excited about its implications for both of their futures, based on what he learned. Thanks, Omari. And just a quick note: in my conversation with Omari, I inadvertently pronounced Tanisha's name incorrectly, and naturally, Omari heard my incorrect pronunciation and assumed I had it correct. We could have re-recorded the segment, but ultimately decided that recreating it might have lost some of the authenticity that was captured. Time to announce our raffle winners from our survey. Congratulations to Kinsey and Pamela. Each of you will be receiving a $50 Amazon gift card. Even though our contest is over, we still value everyone's feedback. To complete our audience survey, please see the show notes or visit www.greenpath.com realstories and click on the purple, take the survey button. Well, that's another episode in the books. Here's hoping each of you enjoy your journey of financial wellness as much as your destination.
0: Well, welcome back hero.